Welcome to the podcast and the church sin. This podcast discusses faith, mental health, church, and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. I am Dr. Monique Smith Gadsden, and I am your host for this podcast. Consider me your church counselor and consultant who is discipling the body and the members in mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I am trained in both psychology and theology, equipped and equipping for the work of the ministry. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. This applies also to our special guests who have opinions and professional insights and expertise of their own. Their contribution is also not to be regarded as therapy. Our aim here is to hold conversation around these important topics regarding the church and mental health. So thank you for joining us for this episode. All right, everyone, today we have a very special guest with us on today, and she's no stranger. She's been with us here before on the podcast, so we are so happy to welcome Mrs. Christy Anya Wheelie back. Awesome, yes. <laughs> I have Thank a hard you. time, y'all. I have a slight impediment, so sometimes it's hard for me to get those names, but I'm so glad that I think I, I nailed it right. You nailed it. Thank okay, you so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're so glad to have you with us again on today, Christy. Thank you for being a part. Oh, thank you. It's a joy, and I am just really thrilled to be able to share with you today and um, you know, I think that you have such a, a beautiful um, space, uh, especially in this arena. And so I'm thankful uh, to be able to play a small part in being a guest on your show. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you for those kind words. Thank you so right. much. Yeah. So in case people don't remember from when you were on previously, because that's not a good minute, but um, will you please just kind of share with everyone who you are and what it is that you do, and then we'll move the conversation into what we're going to focus in on today. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Christy Anya Wheelie. <laughs> it's a mouthful for just about anybody. <laughs> But uh, right now I am sitting in my study in Washington, D.C., the southeast uh, corridor of the city where um, my husband, family, church family minister. And um, yeah, so I spend my time um, enjoying my family. I have three children, uh, an adult daughter who's almost 24, another young adult who's 22 and a teenage boy who is 15 at the moment. And uh, my husband and I have been married over 30 years and um, and our dog Justice, who may or may not make an appearance, we'll see. We we hope he does (laughs) not, (laughs) but I can't promise. Um, And so I I just enjoy my family, but I also, as the Lord gives opportunity, I write and, books and other things and also um you know speak on occasion and so that's how I spend a lot of a lot of my time I love to cook I love to host people in my home even in a COVID friendly way Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's been it's been very different uh, the past couple of years but uh but we do love spending time with the people of God and even people 
who um, are not yet Christians being able to demonstrate to them the love of Christ in our home. So that's me. Yes, I love that. I love hospitality. Yes. I believe so much does happen inside the home that we mm-hmm. just cannot even put a measuring stick against. So absolutely, absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also a teacher of the Bible. Yes. And um, you are a beautiful teacher of the Bible. Oh, um, the parts where I've been able to follow you, hear you, listen to you, and especially read your writings, have just, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. You are, um, we didn't focus on this when, when, when I spoke with you before, you know, we had a yeah. totally different um, focus, but I mean, I was very well aware of, of your um, being just a Bible teacher extraordinaire. Oh. And so I am excited that our conversation gets to revolve around this new book that mm-hmm. you've written entitled Literally. And I just love the title of the book Let- even. Literarily. <laughs> literarily. That's right. That's right. Literarily. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on that part where you uh, were like, literally, literally, literally everyone like, says that. Beautiful. I know. <laughs> so I was right there. You're right. Literarily. Yeah, that's yes. Right. literarily it is an awesome awesome book and um i'm so grateful for the parts that i've had the opportunity to read through but i did want to just you know i'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to dialogue with you about it Mm. i just see um so many wonderful potentials for this book kind of in the world that I I hang out in, you know, the intersection of psychology and theology, you know, very well. But before I jump there, will you share with us just kind of the impetus for writing the book and, um, you know, how you have foreseen it being used, the vision God has given you for that, just spread the wealth and share the knowledge with us. And then um, we'll kind of tie that back in over here where I reside and just kind of share with you why I'm excited about it from my vantage point too. Sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. You were like, tell a little bit about yourself. And I forgot the whole Bible teacher part. Like I spent a whole bunch of my time doing that. So (laughs) whole much, just right. Just a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I do um, teach the Bible in my home and outside um, in various arenas. So Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, Your question though, how literarily came about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really, it came about because as I had grown over the years in learning the importance of, first of all, as a new Christian, I had no idea, I never even heard of genres before. That wasn't a part of anything that I ever studied in the Bible. Like, you know, when you're a little kid, you learn the books of the Bible. And so you kind of learn Old Testament, New Testament. That's all I knew. I had no idea. And I knew like certain people, I knew that Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of them were prophets, but I didn't understand that, that there's a whole category in the Bible for, you know, prophecy or that it meant something more than just these guys who preached were prophets. Do you know what I mean? So I just knew that's who they were. And so I thought that the genre meant that all these guys were prophets or mm-hmm. this is poetry. It's just telling me what it is. I haven't, I had no idea of its significance in the canon of scripture and how the scripture is laid out or anything like that. 
So, and we can go back and talk about like what genres are and all of that. But to the question, how literarily came about is that as I had grown over the years and understanding that whole arena of genre and literate, the literature of the Bible, I just started incorporating it into my daily discipleship, my own study, but also as I was discipling and teaching other women in my small group or one-on-one. So I had been discipling some women in my church, focusing on the literary aspects of narratives. And so we were studying Ruth and we were studying Esther. And um, they found it super helpful to think about historical narratives and the idea of story informing my our understanding of the scriptures. And, um, and so we were just having so much fun looking at those literary aspects of Ruth. You know, who were the characters? Where was this setting? Why was that important? Um, what was kind of like the beginning of tension in the story of Ruth and how did that story come to a climax and then how was it resolved and how does that story, that human, the, that story of human experience, how does that inform how I understand um, God's work in the world and God's work in my life? And so we were just enjoying that. And one of the ladies asked me, she said, have you ever thought about writing a, uh, writing a book or a Bible study to help other people learn this way? And so I was like, you know, <laughs> that's actually a really good idea mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, wow, there are tons of Bible studies out there, but I never have picked up a Bible study that centered or focused on understanding the literature of the Bible. And so that the Lord, you know how people say the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. That's exactly what happened. He used that young lady to drop the idea in my, in my spirit. And almost immediately I knew the title literarily. I Mm -hmm. had the book outlined, like I just had a clear vision for what this book should be. It is not a Bible study. However, Mm -hmm. there are guided questions at the end of each chapter to help you practice a little bit of those literary elements that you learn about in the in the book um Mm -hmm. and so it can be used kind of in in small groups and things like that i think it will be helpful Uh, but it's a book that is an overview of biblical genres and how they help to shape our understanding of scripture Uh, so that's how literarily came about and the title i might imagine you might ask well why did you name it literarily and why such a difficult clunky title it's not (laughs) literally Mm -hmm. literarily yes everybody out there listening say it with me literarily yes (laughs) (laughs) so literarily Mm -hmm. a lot of people ask when they're especially when they're just starting to study the bible they want to know how do we know whether or not we read a passage of scripture literally like how do we know if it's literal or if it's not Mm -hmm. and so my answer to that question is every book of the bible can and should be read literarily keeping Mm -hmm. in mind the literary aspects of that particular genre and that understanding those literary elements and um the function of the genre 
will help us to know whether or not we read a particular passage literally. Okay, so I'm gonna think of another example, but the one that I always use because just about everyone is familiar with it mm -hmm. is the proverb, uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? Mm -hmm. So we, just about everybody is familiar with that passage um, in Proverbs 22. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to read that literally, then I would mm -hmm. say, well, it says train up a child in the way he should go. Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian parent. I have children that I'm trying to raise in the ways of the Lord. And so I'm going to do that because the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. Mm -hmm. And then the second half says, uh, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if I'm reading that literally, I'm thinking, well, if I do A, then the result is going to be B. Right. <laughs> and so we know from human experience, ours or people around us, that you can raise a child in the most godly set of circumstances. And that child can still be wayward well mm -hmm. into adulthood. We mm -hmm. might not even see them come to faith, you know, in, in our lifetime. We pray that they do. And mm -hmm. they do. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we know plenty of examples where that doesn't happen. So now we have a, we have a real crisis of faith. <laughs> so what's the issue? Mm -hmm. Was, did I, was I wrong? Did I do something wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, did my child do something wrong? Did God say something wrong? Like, mm -hmm. was God yeah. wrong? Like, did he tell me to do something? And then he went back on his, his end of the deal, right? And so we have a real crisis if we read that literally. Yeah. But reading it literarily, we understand that Proverbs is um, a, a book of wisdom literature, mm -hmm. that it is giving us proverbial wisdom, that it's giving us um, information that is generally true most of the time, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a command. It's not a promise. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. And people talk about promises of God on standing on the promises of God. God said this and God said that. There's a lot of things that God said that we definitely need to stand on and hold as promises because, because he says that they're promises. This isn't that case. This is proverbial wisdom. So these aren't like promises that God makes. And if we do A, B, it's going to come out. It's like, hey, this is a general truth. Live in this. This is Wisdom literature is giving us wisdom for daily living. How do we live out the instructions of God in our daily lives? Mm -hmm. what, what are some wise ways to do that? Well, a wise thing that a Christian parent would do is to train up a child in the ways of the Lord, right? That is, that's wise. And we pray that in God's good, um, you know, that in God's good kindness or purposes, that he will keep and preserve uh, mm -hmm. our, our children, and that they also will grow in, um, in faith and in love and in obedience to the Lord. Um, so it's not that we don't have faith in that and we don't have that in front of us as a vision, but it's that we have to understand it's not a command. It's giving us guidance for how we should conduct ourselves and giving us general wisdom as to how these things, you know, often turn out, not that they're promises, if that makes sense. Okay, so we, we, we take on the guidance or the wisdom of that we're giving in the Proverbs, 
Um, and then we pray and trust God for the results that come out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And I'm so glad you said that because, <laughs> and I think that that's why I'm so excited about it from, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it from where you sit even as a Bible teacher and how mm-hmm. all of us should be Bible students. Yeah. But I mean, a couple of things for one, I think it makes it so tangible. It, it brings it down from, I've got to go to seminary to kind of get this, you know, <laughs> to like, no, really, if you read the book, literarily, y'all, yeah, literarily, <laughs> then it's like, oh, I do have this understanding, yeah. you know, of this, because I can remember in that very, that same verse, oh my gosh, I can remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know that that's necessarily what this means, but, mm-hmm. you know, you say that in some circles, it's like, I can't even believe you don't believe that. It's like, no, right. it's not that I don't believe it, but I don't believe that that's what it is guaranteeing. Because like you say, how mm-hmm. then do we explain this human experience, mm-hmm. you know, that someone is having? And, and then I think about it, um, secondly, when you are sitting with that parent in the counseling room, Yes. who is dealing with the pain of a wayward child or a child who is strung out, you know, on substance or mm-hmm. alcohol or whatever the case may be. And they're sitting there saying, but I've trained this child, up, you know, in the way that he should go and hoping and believing, you know, the word says that it, yes. it, it, he's not going to depart from this. And I'm thinking like, you know, so I, I'm grateful for the fact that you are giving us this tool, this resource to help us to better understand how to study mm-hmm. so that we won't hold some of the, these things as you were saying so literally mm-hmm. and really filter that through this lens of literarily that you are yes. talking about because I think that that does it makes all the difference for people I'm thinking just in terms of their mental and emotional well-being yeah. because when we hold so rigidly to a thing uh, as you say that crisis of faith because mm-hmm. I've been there where I'm like I'm really having this serious like moment here but I am trying to kind of keep pounding this thing because this is the way I've been told yeah you know and this is what I've been taught and it's like but it's not kind of quote-unquote working you know for me so then it does it made it well it made me I'll speak from my personal experience it made me feel as though I was a person that just didn't have like the right kind of you know Mm -hmm. concoction of faith to get God to do these things or whatever the case may be. And as you're saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a promise. Right. Yeah. And I think the beauty of something like wisdom literature is that it's giving us, you know, we live in a wicked fallen world. And so we do need to understand how to walk wisely in the world. Right. And so I think the beauty of wisdom literature is that there's such, um, they fit together really nicely. So I would say the book of wisdom, the books of wisdom would be like Job, um, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And what's really cool about that, that's the, that set of books is that they all are seeking wisdom in certain aspects of life. So we mm-hmm. see that Job, mm-hmm. he wants an answer to the problem of suffering. Mm. right how to walk wisely in the midst of suffering mm. you i'm sure you talk about this all the time right in <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in the realm of like mental, mental health and, mm-hmm. and spiritual mm-hmm. health 
The writer of mm -hmm. Proverbs wants to know how to live wisely and not foolishly. So you read through the Proverbs and there's this, this back and forth between wise and foolish living. And then the, the preacher, quote unquote, in Ecclesiastes is looking for meaning in, a, is looking for meaning in a life that is filled with empty vanities, right? And then the, and then you see the lovers in Song of Solomon and they mm -hmm. want to, you know, they want to keep their love alive and they want to know how to walk wisely as, as people who are um, betrothed, wedded to one another and and they want wisdom and how to keep that, how to keep that love alive and how to strengthen the love that they have and how to encourage one another in, in their, their relationship. And so the wisdom literature is just beautiful because it does cover so many aspects of just our daily living in the world. And that's the point. So should a parent train up a child in the way that he should go? Yes, that's wise, that is wise. Um, but it's not a guarantee that we're gonna get all the results that we pray and hope for in every circumstance, right? Um, so I hope that's helpful. That's just one genre, like there's so many others that we could talk about. But I think in terms of kind of the focus that you often have in your work and ministry and um, podcast that this is one that would be really helpful for people to understand. And then I'll just say one other quick thing about wisdom literature is that it's very, a lot of wisdom literature, if you look in your Bibles, it's very poetic. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. about, just about all of the wisdom literature is organized um, literarily mm -hmm. <laughs> as Hebrew poetry, meaning that the lines in the, in the passages are parallel lines that work together in some way. Either a second line repeats the thought of the first line or a second line may contrast uh, mm -hmm. what's in the first line or a second line might extend the thought of whatever is in the first line. So when you read Proverbs, you want to read groups of lines together, at least mm -hmm. two, sometimes there are three, in very rare occasions, it may be four, but in the Proverbs, it's generally two. And you see mm -hmm. them, you'll see, mm -hmm. you know, a man who does this is this way, but a man who does that is that way. So you'll see a lot of the contrasting verses um, in the wisdom literature. And that's really helpful when you're reading, because now you know what to look for. You want to look for those, how those words, how those lines connect. Do they repeat? Do they um, extend? or do they contrast uh, one another? Um, and so that's really important to, you know, for wisdom literature and as well as the Psalms, the poetry books as well, is mm -hmm. to look for those parallel lines and how they are working together. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And then when you did say that, that does pique my curiosity a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of when you were saying, you know, it is important for people to understand the um, the wisdom when we are looking for just wisdom to deal with these different aspects and areas of life. Mm -hmm. And when you did kind of, you know, pitch the ball here and, and mention, especially, you know, the things that I 
you know, people do bring to the counseling room. What other genre then did you see um, from your vantage point in terms of helping us to understand how to read that literarily? <laughs> that could definitely work, you know, when we are dealing with those issues in that counseling room. I mean, we understand generally speaking that we're talking the whole Bible, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just the way that you were able to even kind of, kind of, you know, just kind of bullseye that there. I'm just wondering, you know, from your vantage point, what else would you think? Yeah, I think the wisdom literature is definitely really, um, really good in terms of, you know, just kind of general wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. Let me say one other thing about wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so other thing, in wisdom literature, you want to look a lot for the parallel lines, but also there's lots of metaphors and similes. So when you said literarily, it made me go back and remember um, to mention this. Um, and now you're going to have to put your grammar school hat back on for a minute oh, no. <laughs> to think about similes and metaphors, but you will see them a whole lot in the wisdom literature. And so we we should you know know what they are and know kind of what they look for in the function of them. Um, and so uh, metaphors and simile. So a simile is comparing two things, but using the words like or as in the comparison, right? Um, so let me give an example. An example would be, um, oh, an example would be like Proverbs, I would say, 1023. Proverbs 1023 says, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, mm-hmm. but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Okay, so that word like is telling me doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. So then we want to unpack like a joke to a fool is going to do what? it ain't going to make no sense, right? (laughs) So doing wrong, what? It don't make no sense. (laughs) But but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding, okay? And so that like, you know, is comparing, you know, doing good to a joke given to a fool. That And then um, a metaphor would be comparing two things, but you don't use like or as, you just make the comparison, right? And so instead of saying, doing good is like a joke to a fool. If it was a metaphor, it would just say doing good is a joke to a fool. Or it would say um, um, your, the, your voice is, um, I don't know, a trumpet, you know, so mm-hmm. it, would, it wouldn't compare. It's, it's still comparing your voice to a trumpet, but instead of using like or as, it's just making the comparison. Your voice is a trumpet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's really helpful because now again, it's giving us symbols and images mm-hmm. that help us to get mm-hmm. the point of the passage. All right, leaving that aside. Now, the other, <laughs> but that's really helpful. It is helpful when you're thinking about kind of counseling and in that area. Um, because you can read through the Proverbs and you can find just general wisdom to help on all kinds of issues and making points clear through Mm -hmm. the metaphors and similes. Another I find really helpful is poetry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, any sufferer, any struggler (laughs) in life, (laughs) oftentimes we go to the poems for what? We go to 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 poems because they provide us comfort. They... Um, 
they speak to the human condition in an emotive way. And I think the beauty of poetry is just that, like the poetry is begging us, calling us into all of the emotion that's wrapped up in that poem, right? Um, why are you downcast my soul? You know, why are you so downcast my soul? Like you feel that, right? right. Especially if yes. you're downcast at the moment and you read that's that, right. you're like, okay, he, he sees me, he gets me. And it's not just the author, David, who sees you and gets you. It's the Lord himself who inspired the writing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they call the poetry, the prayer, the prayers and the songs of God's people. And so it's, it's responding to the instructions of God in song and in poetry that stirs the emotion as well as the imagination. And so it's almost like when you read Psalms, when you read poetry, you're supposed to sing the songs, you're supposed to pray the prayers, you know? And so when you are going through particular things and you come to a Psalm that speaks to that, um, it's so easy for us to, I mean, and we're meant to just be drawn into that. Uh, and it's good to feel like you're, you're understood, that you're not alone, that other people have struggled with and gone through the same thing that you have. Even people, you know, thousands of years ago um, in biblical times, like there's nothing new under the sun. The struggles that we have today, people have been struggling with from the beginning. And um, even if we don't know anyone in our personal lives who have gone through some, certain things, um, oftentimes we can go to the Psalms, to the poetry of the Bible, and we can find comfort because we feel a sense of connectedness to them in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And you're absolutely right. I, I tell people all of the time, like you, you dig in Psalms enough, you're going to find something. <laughs> You know, that is going to speak to um, that condition of the human heart. So thank you so much for saying that. I'm going to get you to, um, I'm going to ask one more question and we'll get ready to kind of round out the conversation here. I was thinking about even when you were speaking of studying Ruth and Esther um and as you were teaching that and like you're saying just through those narratives mm-hmm. and being able to help people to understand just the power of story mm-hmm. and even how that speaks to our experience mm-hmm. will you just touch on that even a little bit um as well because i do think that there is something to be said about that it yeah. um when I think about it in this, you know, um, in this world, it's, it's, that's why we have like support groups, you know, because people are like, okay, we have this same lived shared experience, you know, and so then there is some comfort in knowing not so much that it's the misery loves company, but it is that ability to encourage uh, one another and to feel like I'm not so alone, Mm -hmm. you know, in this, Mm -hmm. in the world. Will you just even talk about how even the the power that is found in those narratives? Yeah. 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 Uh, That's a really good question, I think, too. And what, regardless of the genre that we might be in or focused on, we Mm -hmm. do, we want to feel connected to them. But more than anything else, we want them to draw us to Christ, right? If we know that all of the Bible from beginning to end is about him Mm -hmm. and how God has revealed Mm -hmm. um, his son to us in the pages Mm -hmm. of scripture, then we need to be looking for him on every page. We need to know as believers, um, 
how Christ is the answer to the problems that we see presented in the pages of scripture, how Christ is the one who is our ultimate um, comforter in our times of need, how Christ fully obeyed all of the Lord's instructions um, that we see in the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. So in every part of scripture, whether in the gospels that um, Jesus is God's instructions personified in a person, he perfectly lived the life that of obedience to God. Um, and we see, you know, his, his, his work and, and bringing in the kingdom in the gospel. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. even in acts, you see God's instructions given to the church now, or the, the acts and the, and the epistles, we see mm -hmm. God's instructions now given to the church and the growth of the church and all that. Okay. So my point is saying that is even with narratives mm -hmm. is we want to see what we see in the narratives, um, uh, is like I said, the human experience. And we mm -hmm. see how people relate and respond to one another. And we see how people relate and respond to God himself. We see the, um, the fallenness of human nature and we see sin, but we also see our capacity for real faith and obedience. Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking at narratives, mm -hmm. we want to see mm -hmm. human experience lived out and mm -hmm. then how Christ breaks into that human experience and um, really draws us in closer to himself. And so, for example, even when we're talking about, say, um, the book of Esther, mm -hmm. and that book opens up with this crazy king, and he mm -hmm. makes an, I would say, obscene, unreasonable request of his queen. Great. And she, in, in just beautiful kind of advocacy for herself, you know, <laughs> says, no, I ain't doing it. She gets dethroned. He goes to find a new queen and the story of, you know, Esther's story begins to unfold. But even in the opening chapter of Esther, where we see this king who is doing I mean, he's all about himself. He is um, very selfish. He's narcissistic. <laughs> he's just an abuser of women. You see all of these things and you're like, this king is crazy. Like, I don't like this king. Anyone under his rule would have been like, he's a bit much. <laughs> and so what's the question then that is left for us or even left for the people at that time? The burden of that of that opening scene of Esther is like, man, we need a new king. Yeah. We need a righteous king. We need a king who's not just going to be concerned about himself and his opulence and showing himself off. We need a king who is humble and who is kind and who um, is one who values women and all people. And so the burden in narratives is, is one that points us to something better, someone better, Jesus himself, right? You look at the story narrative of uh, David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And immediately we read David and Goliath. And who do, who, who do we want to be in that story? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be Goliath. Everybody wants to be who? David. We want to be the giant slayer, right? But 
in the, in that narrative, David is a king, mm-hmm. and we know that David is going to be in in many passages of um, the Old Testament. David is that um, Christ figure. He's kind of the one who is giving us a little glimpse of the one true king. And now we know he doesn't do it perfectly, right? We everybody know about Bathsheba and all that. So we we ain't saying he's perfect. That's right. That's I'm right. saying that he was the king that everybody, you know, thought was going to be the one king who ruled righteously and he did a lot of good things. So he's a little bit of a Christ figure for us. So now in that story of David and Goliath, if David is giving us glimpses of Christ, then we can't be David either. So who are we in the story of David and Goliath? Do you know who we are? We're all the people standing around looking. We're the people on the mountainside. We're the ordinary Israelite. That's mm. who we are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so another, I think, I think really important aspect of narratives is knowing where we are in that story. And more times than not, most of the time, we're the ordinary Israelite. And so we need to be looking at how is the ordinary Israelite responding to God and his rule and his instructions? And what does that teach me about how I need to respond to God and his rule and his instructions? And so I think that will help us even in the mental health arena to know as people of God um, that we that he gives us um, these stories to help us to know where we, who we are in the story and how we ought to respond, how we're, you know, should respond to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just helpful because we don't, again, set ourselves up for wrongful interpretation. And then we take away that wrong interpretation or we put ourselves in the wrong place in the story. And then we come away with, and we try to, we're like, well, I don't understand why this, situation happened to me and I tried to slay my Goliath and that yes. didn't happen. It was like, well, you ain't supposed to slay the Goliath. You're supposed right. to trust God to slay that That's Goliath. Right. Because in That's that right. instance, David would have been kind of, you know, the Christ, the Christ figure who inbreaks, you know, the forces of evil and overtakes. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think knowing where you are, it also teaches us how we respond in the modern day to things like, no, we're not giant slayers, but we're mm-hmm. ones who trust in the giant slayer. We -hmm. know Jesus, why he came. He came to um, defeat the world, um, the, you know, our fleshly nature and the devil. And he has, he has won the victory already. And so we can rest in that as a people of God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Christy. My, my goodness, that, that just, blesses my soul so so I know I just know I'm this one so excited about um your work because to hear it (laughs) communicated in the way that you have I mean it just it feels so like liberating you know it just kind of makes it go yes that's a great word doable (laughs) you know like this is doable it doesn't have to be so hard to understand I'll say this and then I will round out our conversation and it makes me excited to even think about young people yes 
reading and you know so many times uh, and not to have to project my experience on others but i mean they say when we approach bible studies like how the heck do we do this i mean like where do we start yeah. you know but to even be so young and to think sometimes like man bible's so hard to understand but when you have given us this resource to help us to know how to approach it then i think that 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 avoidance that we usually do when it comes to something difficult you know it's like yeah that's all right i'll go do something else i think that what you give us is, is an invitation it bids us to come you know it does bid us to come and to study and, and to come to study is to come to know god as well too so thank you thank you so yes so ma'am good. no that is so good and i think you're right because even when i was writing and i was like man i really wish i had a book like this when i was mm-hmm. younger you know in mm-hmm. my christian walk like if i had a handle on this i feel like i mean we never know all of you know there is to know about scripture but you just feel like you could get into the word more easily and just have not as much friction to really commune and fellowship with the Lord because you have, you know, you come in with the understanding where you don't have to work so hard. Like, I don't understand what this means. And why is this written like that? You know, you kind of get rid of that level of friction and just like, okay, it's me and the Lord. We can fellowship. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. This is, has been so beautiful and I am so excited. Will you let people know how they can like follow you, find you and be ready to purchase the book too? <laughs> sure, thank you. Well, yeah. if you can spell my name, <laughs> you can go to christianyabwile.com and I'm also on all the socials, uh, same thing. Just try to spell Anyabwile, it'll probably come up somewhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I hang out on Instagram a lot and um and also, if you would like to uh, get the book, you can find it at where, wherever you normally enjoy uh, purchasing your books. So um, uh, anywhere from your Walmart and Targets to your, <laughs> to your, to your local books, your Barnes and Noble or Amazon. So uh, yeah, I would love to introduce this book to uh, folks to help them grow in mm-hmm. the grace and knowledge of Christ and really love him more deeply and um, follow him more fully until he comes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank this you. Sis. Yeah. So now we'll have all of these things um, in the show notes as well too. I'll provide the links for um, everyone to make that easy to, to find um how to follow you and learn, continue to learn from you as well as where to purchase literarily. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank, Thank you. you, Christy. I appreciate <laughs> you, you so, so much, much for coming and being a part and sharing with us this beautiful work that you have done. And I'll say to our listeners, I know you guys have been blessed. I know you have been blessed. My goodness, we learned something new today as we've listened to Christy talk to us about literarily. Yes. So y'all, please go ahead and make certain that you follow Christy and you purchase this book. And as I always say, until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. You have heard Christie's call and she's just bidding you to come to study God's word and come to love him and know him deeper what is going to be your response and the church said Amen